Welcome in to the Vinyl Community Podcast. Everybody hold your breath. Suck it in. Let's get this. We're doing live. We're doing live. That's exactly right. Write it. We're doing live. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Vinyl Community Podcast. Actually, not just any episode. When this airs, it's going to be the one-year anniversary of Vinyl Community Podcasts. And as I was kind of thinking, what would be something fun and different to talk about? Of course, I had to bring back the original guest on Vinyl Community Podcast. So I'm joined first and foremost by our returning champion, Matt Sands. Matt, welcome back. What's up? Congrats on one year, man. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, as I started kind of getting that brain, kind of getting together, kind of reflected back on what the community means to me. And one of the things that's real important is fellowship. And that's why I want to have our other guests on. And you really can't talk about Matt without talking about his cohort, Sam is a psych professor. Sam, thanks for joining us. Hey, so happy to be here, man. That's uh, I've, I've really enjoyed your videos and congrats on one year, man. That's just so awesome. Hey, appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And then, and then Mr. 100K. Coming in large and in charge with that big silver button. Yeah. From Matthews, North Carolina. <laughs> Proprietor of Mobile Records. The one, the only, Dylan Smith. Dylan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for finally having me. I was a little insulted you haven't asked me. So. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Hey, listen, listen, listen. I, gotta, I had to let the jazz bums get the first picks, but there's meat on the bone here. Felipe, Felipe is the nicest guy in the vinyl community. So I had to, I had to acquiesce, but now Lord, they want to talk about jazz. I don't know anything about jazz. What? Oh my gosh. This is, this is the, from the guy who was like, you know, I'm not much of a jazz guy, but famous last words, not much of a jazz <laughs> well, like guy. Every single blue note in the catalog. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but as I said before, you know, one thing that I really enjoy about the community, and that's what I want to have our guests on, is, is the fellowship that kind of comes with, I didn't think this, but record collecting and, and YouTube and, and the whole thing. So uh, before we kind of launch into it, let's kind of go back a step forward, because as Dylan has said on his channel many times, Matt and Sam, their work, their content that they're putting out is one of the reasons that I started doing it. I think Dylan started doing it. Matt and Sam, kind of, what was the the origin of just deciding to do this? I think Matt, did you start doing videos first, and then Sam kind of joined in? Tell us about like how that started. Yeah, I started doing videos. It would have been 2012. Um, I just had like a little digital camera. I wasn't even using my phone. Um, started making solo videos, and then I moved back up to Central South Central Illinois. It was a lot closer to Sam. South Central. That sounds really scary. Is that it? That's right. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a rough part of part of the, Illinois. The, the but we're all right down here in the boonies. I'm so uh, ill. <laughs> yeah, so ill. But uh, no, Sam and I were friends in college, and we had kind of stayed in in contact and kind of have a, had a shared love of movies and music. So when I moved back up to the area, we started hanging out a lot more and kind of realized our deep love of records went a lot further than we both thought. So we started going to record shows and stores together and I was still doing the solo video thing. And then uh, Jerry Seinfeld had the comedians in cars getting coffee series. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, somebody needs to do that, but with records. And I was like, I'm going to do that with my friends. And then I realized Sam was the only friend I had that collected. Oh. So, uh, so I asked him, I was like, you want to do like one of these videos? And he was like, I don't know about being on YouTube, man. I think even in that video, you start out saying like, I don't know how I feel about this. 
And then uh, it went really well. I had a good response. And then we started doing a radio show that Sam asked me to be a part of with him at Millican University. And while we were doing that, it was like, hey, if we're already here hanging out, doing a radio show, let's show some records on videos too. And kind of went from there. Sure. And then Sam, like, what are your impressions of, of this this vinyl community, air quotes, on YouTube? Because it's an expanse community and like any kind of community, any kind of collectible community, there's some there's some highs, there's some lows, there's some interesting areas. Well, what's your kind of impression like of not only the stuff that you and Matt have kind of done together, but just what you see in other channels, just watching them in your own time? Uh, so what I would say is really awesome about the VC is like, you've already mentioned a whole bunch that sort of that feeling of community, but, but the, the generosity that people have, we were inspired by Bo. Like, so we aren't the, by any means, the originators, that guy sent a ton of VCLT our way over years. Um, we got chances to meet up with him one-on-one a couple of times and man. So it's, it's all about the fostering and it's really crazy too, because I think when you, hunt for records with people you have this like competitive spirit and that somehow that gets counteracted by that feeling of community and that feeling of um support i guess i'm i suffer from the hard to be happy from other for other people syndrome uh (laughs) but um but i'll say that uh while i still do get that twinge in my lower back of I can't believe that guy scored that record. Um, I also have the like, but I'm so glad to know that record is out there. Um, And that, you know, especially uh, when somebody just has a killer find and a great story to go with it, you just find that people who love records, love stories, man. And that's, I think what ties this thing together. It's so true. I I got to I got to interject with this story because I don't know if Matt's ever heard this, but this kind of ties a little bit of this together. So there's a Southern Illinois record show. And there's a guy that had the farm record. Matt, <laughs> Matt remembers this, right? And so Matt's there selling, and it's it's very clear that the word got around quick. This guy's got a farm record, and I think you even text Dylan, right? Because you're like, it's like phone a friend. You're like, should I? Should I? Should I? <laughs> yep. So the part that Matt doesn't know is that so Matt's thinking it over. I actually ran to an ATM to go get cash to get this thing. <laughs> And as I'm coming back in, Matt's outside and Matt's deliberating, right? So, we're, so I was like, hey, so, you know, where's your head at on that? And uh, he's like, oh, I just picked up the Gandalf record. You know, was, he, I could see the wheels turning and I didn't say anything about it. Well, because, you know, it, it's, it's exactly what you said, Sam. It's a competitive spirit. But I was like, I want to give, you know, Matt did see it first. He saw her first, right? And, and, and so he's, he's like, hey, I, man, if you I, like it, put a ring on it. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter who <laughs> saw her first. I know, I know. But listen, Matt's my boy, man. I'm not going to do that. So Matt's <laughs> like, you know what? So I gave him the, the Mickey Rocky kind of talk. And I'm like, you need to go do it, champ. And if you don't, and I kind of made a joke, but it was true. I really had cash in hand. I'm like, if you don't, I will. Yeah. So he, he marched right over there and got it. And I was like, you, you know, like, so exactly what you're talking about, Sam. I was like, you know cut what? Me, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> cut me, Mick. Cut me, Undercut Mick. me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Dylan, kind of circling back here, uh, you had, you said in, in a lot of videos before that you started watching these guys and it kind of <laughs> gave you, uh, well, we'll talk about it. Like he did inspire you. It made you feel like you can do this. Like what was, what was it like watching them and then obviously starting your own videos? Well, you know, I saw those guys. They just seemed like such good 
friends and they had this like there's a charm about them having a competitive spirit you know i love that you know you had your jealousy generators and all that stuff you know <laughs> i love that i love when when matt would say i found this one for a dollar at the flea market <laughs> and then we got you sob and then you know sam would be like i paid three hundred dollars for this one and sam's like oh well your math's like oh i got one for 25 cents so there's a whole thing going back and forth that i always love to see even now and um and i, and I think i watched it and i just thought man i wish i had a friend that played records because i didn't have any friends and so i kind of thought about it for a while and um i, I commented on y'all's videos um a lot and my first vclt package was from matt but uh Anyways, I don't know. I, I just got on there because I, I, I watched a few different channels. You know, theirs. I watched Bose, obviously. I don't think Bose do it anymore, but but I watched Bose, and then I watched a couple others. And uh, when I got on, some of them became fast friends to me, and some of them, like, even now, there's a couple channels that I, like, adored. And I've tried to reach out to the people that run the channels, and they will not talk to me. It's just weird. But Matt always, uh, Matt and Sam, they always have talked to me and been very gracious, even, you know, with their commanding video schedule. They found the time to. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Talk yeah, yeah. about records and things, but we, we have a good People time. The Beatles prolific, but we really put them out there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, sometimes twice a year. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's anyway, like, yeah. I, I, um, you know, seeing all that they were involved with the community. That was my motivation to start my channel is really to not to get a hundred thousand subscribers or anything, but to, to get, you know, that community with people. And I've gotten that now that I have a shop, you know, that's coming out of my ear. I love it. So. so along those lines, guys, I have to ask who made the first move. I mean, since, since Matt and Sam were making videos, Dylan was a matter of just commenting. And then you guys see this guy, there's this pesky guy kept just commenting and, and seeing like, what's this guy's deal? Like, how, like, how did you guys get to know each other uh, past the YouTube experience? I was trying to think about that today a little bit. I actually went on my channel and you can kind of see who comments on your, like if you see a comment, you can click on that person, see how many comments are on the channel. And I was trying to go back and find the earliest comment from Dylan, but I think back then you weren't commenting under Noble Records. It was under like your personal account. Yeah. Or whatever. So I couldn't even find it. Um, and I don't remember. I just remember like eventually just, I don't know, We, you commented on a lot of videos and we talked back and forth. I always thought it was very important if anybody commented on a video to reply to it. I always thought yes. that was an important part of the community aspect of it. Yep. Um, and I just realized today too, the last video we put out like, you know, six months ago, I didn't reply to it. <laughs> I forgot to. So Hypocrite. I, uh, I believe I threw a few likes. Yeah. Yeah, you did. To um, the plebes. Like, I'm, <laughs> what a jackass. <laughs> oh, exactly. you're, you're, you're not a part of the VC anymore. Oh, right, right. I, yeah. Out, I, I don't have that silver plaque behind me. No, no. <laughs> I'm more of a, an acquired hey, I was put out years ago, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I got to Instagram kind of late, though. Um, and you were, you were pretty active on there, I think, at the time. You were kind of starting to do your pop-ups and stuff, I think. Um, and that's where I think the conversation really got going there was uh, kind of more through Instagram and then through YouTube and then eventually exchanging well, and then text and stuff. So I think you texted me, I think during one of your, your big collection sell-offs, Dylan, um, uh, 
Matt was just like letting me know about heaters that you were letting letting go at at, at 2014 prices or whatever that was. Um, and I kept coming up like 30 seconds short. I don't know what it was, but it'd be like, nope, that one's gone. Nope, that one's gone. And so I think I messaged you at one point was just like, man, I'd love to buy some of this stuff. But all of your heaters just disappear right in front of me. So uh, I think that was the first time we touched base. But yeah, it was mostly through Instagram, I think. Okay. Yeah, heater's going to go like that. But I think it was like 2000, I don't know, that was probably 15, 16 maybe. I sold my whole collection. Yeah. I think that was right. Matt like first started his channel and he's like, how much you want for everything? And I was like, I don't know. I think I threw out some ridiculous number. But anyways, um, you know, now that it's just funny. But I've sold my collection several times. But yeah, I remember we've always traded a little here back, back and forth, you know. Um, I always try to send them eBay links for things. Yeah. Trouble, you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So do you guys kind of like help each other out? Obviously I told the farm story where Matt's phone, a friend was Dylan. Um, <laughs> do you, do you guys, cause you guys collect like a lot of the same kind of stuff, like psych and a lot of kind of obscure, obscuria. I don't even know if that's a title, but things I've definitely never heard of. Do you guys kind of find And Dylan, you kind of already kind of buried the lead there about if you see someone on eBay or see something online, are you guys good about information sharing? I will shoot Matt a listing from eBay if I already have the record. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thousand percent true. Or I will say this. There are things he knows every, there's no piece of information on the internet that I'm aware of that Matt doesn't know about. Uh, Well, I'll say this. I do watch for alerts about the day the clown cried and I beat him out on that one the other day. If you don't know what that is, just don't worry about it. But, um, but uh, yeah, (laughs) there's basic, like I'm on serial killer alerts and obscure media from the film side of things. But if it's a record that's out there, it's usually Matt. Uh, who knows already? I'm I'm on the internet a lot during the day, so it's, uh, <laughs> I got that phone out at work pretty constantly. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll kind of text heads up on like eBay links or uh, like Sam said, it's usually if it's a record we already have. You know, we're I texted you some gold the other day, and you were like, eh. "Which one?" Oh, I'm not going to say it out loud here. Oh, wow. Anybody oh, who's, I remember who's, it. No, I, I really do want you to buy that because it looks freaking mint. Yeah, I, I was tempted by it. And actually, I think Dylan shared it in one of his Instagram stories. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Oh, that's um, such an inside baseball situation. I know, I know. I know. What's going on. <laughs> yeah, the fifth annual pipe dream, right? I'll say the record. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll send links back and forth. Or sometimes if I'm out digging and I come across something that I don't know about or the prices. Oh yeah. You know, the, the farm record is a really good example of that, of like, yeah, that's the one um, of like, oh, it's there, it's in person, it's X amount of dollars. The condition is this. I'll hit up Sam or Dylan, either one. And like, what do you think about this deal? Should I go for it? Should I not? Or are either of you interested in it? I can grab it for you and we'll, you know, exchange stuff later. We do kind of keep a heads up on. But you guys work out some trades too. Cause I've heard you guys oh, talk about time, it over man. the years. Like trades is, is the move. Yeah. yeah. I've bought from Dylan before. Um, I think Sam's bought from him a few times. We've traded a little bit. Uh, Sam will pick stuff up at estate sales and hook me up uh, through my store to kind yeah. of, oh yeah, all the time. you know, mutually beneficial stuff there. And yeah, we try to help each other out. Well, along those lines, because obviously you can kind of, if you're watching the visual component, as you'll see that Matt has carefully set his camera up to see the Gold Pan Records logo. If you don't know, Matt has a, a shop in Hillsboro, Illinois. A very nice 
spot for a great used and new record due to him there. Um, but I don't know. I think it was Dylan probably started. Dylan, did you start your brick and mortar first or was it along the same lines? No, Matt started his year before I started mine. Oh, okay. What year did you start, Matt? Like 2015, 16? We announced uh, that we were trying to open one in early 2017. The official opening date in the store was March of 2018. Okay. We opened uh, October 2019, right in time to shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Well, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, I'm just not shopping for records as much as I used to, but that's that's when I would really rely on people, especially if I'd be in a place where I did not have good Wi-Fi. I'd be texting Matt and be like, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm yeah. seeing this. Like I, I don't even have time to like, I, a lot of the time I'm on the road for various elements of, uh, various organizations I'm involved in. Let's say less, but, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I'm out there a lot, but I often have a time limit, uh, sometimes imposed by the organizational demands and sometimes imposed by the uh, bounds of my marriage that are like, this is how long you can spend in a record store. So if you get that friend who's on, uh, on top of it, just doing your research for you right there, Matt's come through big time for me on that over the years, uh, especially saving me some cash on some stuff that it was like, Oh man, this looks so close. And then it was like, Nope, Nope. That's the one that's just not worth anything extra. Don't pay that. So yeah. it's helped me out a lot. That's awesome. Um, one thing that kind of, as I was thinking this idea of, I remember speaking to Dylan, you hit on the open your shop right as the world shut down. Um, you guys did a video, which is one, I, one of my top 10 favorite videos where you guys did something like this, where you guys just got together and it was, it, and that's kind of, again, I was like, man, these guys just really enjoy each other's company. In fact, I don't know, uh, Dylan and Sam, have you guys done a DNA test? Because in certain lights, you guys do have a, a very similar sinew a very a very uh, you know the beard and everything and that was even a joke on the thing i thought i saw it and then you guys said it and i was like hang on a second what's going on you know this is proof that we're not the same person i guess <laughs> also um well you know uh, a lot of people have well especially when i first started they're like is this ham is this sam under some false name or something but no you know, by the time that you had uh Far, far outpaced us in viewership. I was, I was uh, impersonating him oh, to open no. videos. Actually, I think at that point. <laughs> no, but it was evident that you guys really got along great, and and it, a lot of the things we're talking about. You know, you're giving each other tips, sharing best practices. Uh, going back to the starting the stores thing. So, so Matt's out in front. Matt's starting the brick and mortar thing first because Dylan, I've heard several other shop owners, Billy Hurst comes to mind that have, have kind of leaned on you as they started their enterprise. Did you kind of lean on Matt and kind of, you know, ask him about certain things, rent and, and you know, space and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. I, I remember asking him some things um, when we first started, you know, I didn't know like what was appropriate to pay for rent. I think Matt got himself into a, a pretty sweet situation where he's at. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember asking him some things I opened pretty blind, uh, <laughs> but I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. So anyways, Billy, you know, he, when he started his shop, I usually try to help anybody who asks, you know, with like distributors and sure. that stuff. And, um, I, I let people know how I do it. How I do my store is not really probably how most people should do their store. Um, I started with no loans and just kind of bought as many records as possible and, 
you know, threw all caution on the wind, barely took a paycheck for the first year or two. But anyways, you know, that's the way I've done it. And then over time, you know, I've tried to just buy things that, you know, once we get more money in the bank, we buy more new releases. And I think that's what Matt does too. But um, so, you know, you take a little here, a little there and make it your own. But yeah, I definitely was like, Matt was the only person I knew that had started the shop. So I was like, how is this going? And uh, <laughs> asked him about like, hey, your guy that works for you, does he do this? Does he come to work high all the time? <laughs> Only on Thursdays or whatever. But so I, I, you know, you know, best practices, how to manage a shop, all that stuff. I'd never owned a business before. So I definitely talked to Matt here and there about like how they do things and stuff like that. So everybody knows you don't show up high. That's right. No, you start out strong and then <laughs> you do, you don't admit it. I had one guy that was so high that he admitted he was high. Um, but anyways, like he was at the cash register like counting change and he couldn't do it. And I'm like, bro, do not put a person on cash register who's had uh we don't have different apartments. <laughs> this isn't so, yeah, yeah, put him in the maybe stuck on the shot, stock the shelves. Now he was, um, but anyways, that's that's that was years ago. But anyways, so yeah, but I definitely have uh, I've, I've asked Sam for his advice over the years for various well, things. Well, this kind of leads to a question I have for both of you guys as shop owners. Like, what as you're starting up the brick and mortar experience, Matt? I'll start with you. What was the probably the the, the biggest learning? Because I'm, I'm assuming, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, that you probably are pre-building inventory, buying collections ahead of time, so you'd have enough, probably using some of your own collections to kind of subsidize the inventory. But what was probably that big first lesson uh, from year one, let's call it, Matt, from opening the store? Man, it's, it's this is always the boring answer. It's like the nitty gritty of the business side. And I remember, I remember Dylan calling me uh, when I was like right before he got the space that he's in now, he was like, I found the space. It's perfect. But the lady doesn't think a record store is a viable business. Like I got to convince her, but like, if I convince her I'm doing it, what do I need to do? Like setting up a corporation or an LLC or what do I do about taxes? How do I, and it was like all that kind of stuff. And I did it all myself and it was a nightmare. <laughs> like, oh. So the first thing I told him was like, hire an accountant, hire somebody that knows how to do this stuff. Cause if you do it on your own, and I'm six years later, I'm still doing it on my own. And I've, I've kind of learned as I go on the thing, but that just nitty gritty of figuring out your state laws, how to get a tax ID, how to, you know, you got to pay a fee to get your LLC set up, like all that boring suit. Like you just want to sell records. Yes. You just want to open the door and have people buy records, exchange money and go on with your life, you know, like, but it's not that simple. You got to file taxes and you got to pay monthly or quarterly sales tax. You got to pay quarterly income tax. You got to, all that boring crap was the worst part of the learning curve. Um, buying the records is the fun part. You know, it's like if you already have a base of knowledge about what things are worth, about how to tell condition, if you can, you know, somebody brings in two crates of records, you've got 10 minutes to try to give them an offer. Okay. You know? uh, so you got to be able to look through it quickly, do some math in your head, know you're going to be okay on it. If you offer X amount of dollars like that stuff, you ought to, you ought to be, knowledgeable about that before you try to open a store otherwise you're going to be drowning uh, that's that's my opinion i think you gotta you gotta know records if you can open a record store what would you say to that dylan same kind of thing all the back office 100%. stuff 100 percent. he told me that i need to hire an accountant i looked everywhere couldn't find one i do it myself now same yeah. situation uh but now i know how to do it and so you know whatever i can become an accountant if this whole record thing goes down but <laughs> i definitely agree 
with everything he said, I think that it would really benefited me that I did pop-ups for so many years. I started buying collections in 2010. So I, I had definitely got my feet wet with it, but going back and watching my videos from when I first started the shop, like you could see like a night and day difference of my record knowledge from when I started the shop and before that. And after that, like, it, it grew so much so fast after opening a shop because you're just around more records. It's just common sense. But so I would definitely agree with everything Matt said. That is the, like the paperwork red tape is just like the kind of person I am. It's like pouring salt on a slug. I'm just like, Oh God, no, I hate it. I hate it. But anyways, you, you got to do it. Um, but also, you know, if I was going to answer the same question, here's another fun answer. That's the nerd answer. The fun answer is don't be afraid to call the cops. Whoa. Right? They're, they're your friends. Okay. So if you get a crazed customer in the shop who's threatening your life, call the cops. Um, that's, you know, if that's goes with any, any business, I don't know about the state that you're in, but the state of North Carolina, you have the same rights as you do in your home and your personal business. So someone comes and harassing you, call the cops, the cops will take them out. No problem. So that's just my, my, there's, I don't know, Matt, if you've had a crazed customers. I've had three that I've had to call cops on, and it has been great. <laughs> I mean, the cops come, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll wait till the cops get here. And then the cops are like, get out of here. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's good. But, I, I, you know, the first one was the worst one. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I, I would be a terrible host if I didn't follow up and say, like, what? how can somebody be so demonstrative in a record store that yeah. warrants a police visit? Please share at least one of these. The first one and the worst one was um, this guy came in and he he had a like a backpack full of records. And he's like, how much you give me for these? I gave him a fair offer. No big deal. And then he was happy with it left no problem and then he starts sending me all these messages on instagram he's like you ripped me off and he said and he starts sending me screenshots of like he had rolling stones let it bleed and in there and he's like these are going for four or five hundred dollars on ebay like he looked them all up on ebay and so there was a it, universal head shaking going on. <laughs> yeah he was livid. And um, like I had already put them out in the store. Like he came earlier that day, and I put them out of the store. I'd sold some of them, and Let It Bleed was one of the ones. That was kind of the the big, you know, squabble that I had with him. And I'd already sold it, and so he he didn't believe I'd already sold it. He was freaking out. So I was like, whatever. He comes back in the shop the next day, yelling, screaming, cussing me out in front of all the the shop's full, in front of all the customers, and he said, I'm calling the cops because. You, you didn't give me a bill of sale. And the law states that you have to give a bill of sale. And I was like, no, you don't. And he's like, yeah, you do. And I'm calling the cops. And at the time, I was like, I don't know if I was supposed to or not. I don't do that. And so I was kind of scared. And um, and I was like, let me uh, let me call a friend and ask him. So I called my friend who was a cop. And I was like, hey, what do I do? He's like, call cops. I'm like, I'm calling you. And he's like, no, you're local cops. And I was like, okay. So I said, hey, let's call the cops and see what happens. And he's like, no. And he left. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then the next day he comes back and does it all again. And so I said, listen, you're officially banned from this shop. If you come back, it, it, the story's longer than this, but I was like, if you come back, I'll have you arrested. And he's like, I'm not leaving. So the cops came and they told him, they said, if you ever come back to this business, you'll be arrested. And uh, so anyways, that was kind of, he came back two or three times. He was a nuisance. I don't normally call cops on people, but it happens when you're a local small business, you have some crazy people that come in sometimes. I've had a couple situations kind of like that where 
Um, I had one situation like that to where I bought somebody's records and their brother came and they were like, where, where's my records? My brother said, I sold them to you. He, he sold them to you. And so we had to like determine whose records they actually were. Come to find out the guy that I bought the records from, they were actually his records. He had written his name on like all of them. So they were definitely his. <laughs> anyway, so when you're dealing with the public, there's some red tape. I just saying like, that was one of really valuable lesson. You can't be scared to call the cops. You got to call the cops. So something like that happens. I always tell my guys, I'm like, hey, just call the cops. And usually if you say I'm calling the cops, they're going to leave. But if you actually call the cops, they're definitely going to leave because, yeah, what do you do? Anyways, so that was that's that's kind of a fun answer, but that's true. Fair enough. So hearing all this, Sam, when are you opening your record store? Uh, I have no plans whatsoever. <laughs> I Actually, it's the limited amount of interaction of, with the public that I, I like about the YouTube forum. <laughs> uh, that is particularly, you know, appealing to me. <laughs> He's going to stay home and watch his Criterion collection. That's right, baby. Nerd. My snobby films. Um, this was so, in French. Uh, no. Yeah, no, no French cinema. Well, no police at Gold Pan that I've ever heard of, Matt, is this? Uh, is no. It? Okay, all right. We've never kicked – I well – We've never kicked anybody out, but I've helped guide some people out. Whoa. A couple drunk people come in. Never belligerent, but just like you're causing problems. Like you're in a good mood. Let's keep the good mood rolling. How about we step outside? Oh, uh, you know, hey, there's a brewery right down the street. You can keep that good mood rolling, buddy. And they, they usually go on down the road. I had a guy one Christmas. It was like two weeks before Christmas. He wanted some Barry Manilow CD. And I was like, I don't have it, man. And he's like, can you get it? I was like, I mean – I can find it. Like, here's a copy. Like, I'm going to charge you double what I'm going to pay for it. He's like, yeah, my wife's going to let He was hammered. So I was like, I'm going to get paid first. I'm going to take this guy's info down so that I can deliver it to him. He may not remember this, but I'm going to do my part. So I took all of his info. I got on the CD. He hugged me after I ordered it. Mm-hmm. And then when I delivered it to him the next week, he hugged me again. And he was drunk then too. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, we're just going to let's keep the good vibes going is my my usual philosophies. <laughs> Update: She loved the CD, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Big Barry fan. Big Barry yeah, fan. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 this one's for all you guys, and, and it's it, it's probably shop inspired, but I think it's hobby inspired too. What would you say? We'll start with you, Sam. What would you say from your vantage point has been the biggest change in the hobby, and let's call it the last two years. The biggest change in the hobby oh, for, for you and, and from a collecting lens, like however you want to approach it. And price, price, let's throw pricing out. Cause it's understood pricing. No. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, you know what I think the, so actually I was, I have been listening to some of your recent vids. I tend to be a, a, a listener more than a watcher just cause I drive. Cause I drive. And, um, so when I'm out there on the road and I'm driving and I'm listening, you were talking so much about the number of pointless reissues. Oh my gosh. I am so fed up with that. Uh, and the one that you mentioned that I was just like, yes, why does there need to be another gets Gilberto? That is so crazy. My issue is, I, I wouldn't say it's a way that the hobby that, that, the love of vinyl is starting to be something that is always, it's always been cashed in on, but man, they're taking advantage of people. You can get a great copy of gets Gilberto. That is like a late sixties reissue for 15 bucks. Sure. 20 bucks. If it's in really, really nice shape, you know, you're going to find it out there. 
why, why, why would I need some like deluxe edition of it if I've never heard it before? Why do I need two? Why do I need four? Why do I need a this one? You know, the I just, box, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I'm too much. Too well, much, Dylan. What would you say? Because you have a unique vantage point of obviously hunting for records, buying these collections, also behind the counter and seeing them come in, and, and like you said, you know, when when possible, buying some new stock. What would you say in the last two years? Because and partly this is inspired by your talk with our friends the jazz bums and jazz. Because I feel like jazz has really exploded in the last three to five years. Let's call it. Well, it's changing in a lot of bad ways. Like I think the number one way is just people's access to um discogs and and stuff like which is a good thing and a bad thing because i don't want to look at it um but you know uh, when i'm at the store all that's like every time we do a huge drop on saturday morning everybody gets the records they're looking for and they go over to the couch and then look them all up on discogs uh-huh. and some of them are doing it because they're trying to make sure they don't have it at home some yeah. of them are doing it to compare prices or whatever and and i've always liked it when you know i go into a shop and i don't want to look anything up because i trust the store owner i'm not saying i'm not discouraging people from looking it up i'm just saying that's something that has changed that records didn't used to be a commodity you know it didn't used to be uh, an asset or whatever and now it is to where um everybody's thinking of it's like i'm putting this money in the bank i'm putting this in this is you know and so as used to, I feel like we would go around and sure every record has a price, you know, I mean, you're not going to pay the same for Getz Gilberto as you are 13 floor elevators. You, you, everything kind of has a price, but it's not so much like this um, stock exchange, like, you know, or commodities exchange, however you want to say it. It's, it's definitely been a little bit uh, adulterated that way. Uh, but also at the same time, that same access to information has opened people's worlds up to discovering more types of music, you know, genres. So it's it, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. So people are buying records that they would probably have never bought before because they're able to go down certain rabbit holes on Discogs and see what, you know, labels and artists and blah, 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 blah. You know, when I was young and I was digging for records, I was like, ah. I don't freaking know what, you know, what this is or that is. I'm just buying because the cover looks cool. But, you know, all the old farts say that, you know, the, the kids that are just getting into it, they can use Discogs. It's fine. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. Depends on how you want to spend it. I think uh, Discogs has to be used with uh, a lot of judgment and moderation. But, you know, so that's that's kind of my answer, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Switch devices, everybody. We we got a close up. So Matt wanted my to show phone, us. Uh, my <laughs> phone decided uh, it was about to die, so I had you to went you went nouvelle vague for us. There. <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> that's a French film term, if Dylan. Anybody wants. <laughs> well, I was like, if anybody wants a peek into how recording videos goes with me and Sam, this is it. Some kind of equipment failure, a battery dying. Uh, I've dropped something. I knock mean, at the door. All, yes, all of that just happened to me, minus the knock on the door. I was like, I should go plug my phone in, and then I dropped the phone. I turned the camera off somehow. Then I left the group. I don't even know how that happened. So, but I'm back. It's all right. Listen, you handle it gracefully. It was almost like a new edition of Guess Gilberto. It was that smooth. It was. That- <laughs> oh boy. Ooh. Well, now I got to go handheld because I lost the tripod. So. Oh, you're good. Yeah. It's all right. 
So, so what, how would you answer it from your vantage point as a collector and as a store owner? Like, what do you think in the last like two years? What's been the biggest change? D- Dylan was just talking about the Discogs phenomenon and, yeah. and being a good and bad thing. You know, people are becoming more educated, but also people are basing Discogs. And Dylan, you've talked about some of your videos. Like, Discogs is a guide, but it's not the guide, right? Exactly. Would yeah, you agree with that? I agree. I, I like the too many pointless reissues, the Discogs thing. And I, I can be guilty of the Discogs thing. Um, Sometimes, but I, I do like to try to go into a store and just kind of blind buy stuff. That That's still kind of the most pure fun part of collecting um, or a thrift store dig, you know, something like that. But probably the, the, one of the biggest things I've seen is kind of shift in what's becoming popular again. Um, like as a guy that's always collected 60s and kind of early 70s music, um, there has been a – I always felt like I had a decent community of people that kind of shared interest in that. And that seems to have dipped, and it's now – more in the late seventies and eighties stuff is kind of what's popular and kind of taken off in price. Yeah. Specifically like, uh, Michael Jackson's thriller or Fleetwood Mac rumors, like those records used to be cheapies, you know? And like, I hate to do it, but I can put 25 bucks on a copy of rumors and sell it. Like no problem. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many copies I used to see in dollar bins or $3 bins back in the day. You know, it was like, Oh, it's a great $3 record or a $5 record or $8, you know, whatever it was going to be. And now it's like, oh, it's a great $20 record, <laughs> you know, it's right. kind of, not that it's pricing people out, but these records that Thriller and Rumors both sold 20, 30 million copies. Like they're out there. They're not hard to find. Why are, why has the price gone up so much on them? You know, you should, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird deal there and kind of a shift to, and who's collecting. Um, I know some people, the guy that works for me, Josh, uh, that mains the counter here, he sold his entire collection uh, this past year. He just was like. I don't listen to them as much. Uh, I'm getting into it for the wrong reasons. Like I'm realizing I'm buying stuff as collector pieces, not, not just to listen to them. And he kind of wanted to get away from that. So he sold everything. Um, and I know some guys that have pared down. I've pared down a lot. Uh, I only bought like 30 records last year for some people. That's a lot, but for me, that's a record low. Um, so I think you're getting kind of a shift in people that have been at this for a long time, kind of, reevaluating priorities and reevaluating how they want their collection to be and what it needs to look like. Um, and you do have a younger generation that are coming in and collecting now, which is cool to see too. So I think the hobby is still at least alive and well, but it's, it's changing. Yeah. I always like to say it's never been a better time to be a record collector and there's never been a worse time to be a record collector because of the competition and, and yeah. some of the things you're talking about, the pricing and Dylan, I said all the time, the commodity piece is really just kind of like, it's frustrating because people are really hell bent on selling. Even as somebody who's searching for records online, they are just crazy. The crazy prices. Anyway, I could, I could do a whole show on that. Well, have you seen like the people that like, there's all these different pages on Instagram and they'll buy a record. That's like a really rare record. Like let's say uh, it's a copy of farm. Um, and they'll buy, they'll see one somewhere for 800 bucks and they'll buy it for 800 bucks, which is a high pr- I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big money price, but it's still, decent for that record and they'll put it up for 1500 bucks or this just for example but and they're just waiting for someone to get desperate enough to pay that stupid price and they pay, and they do it it's like a whole business yeah. model and they, they just buy rare records for like an okay price and then they just like try and double their money or whatever which is like I'm, it's so annoying for me like i don't know i anyways but that's well that's, and- that's, we're seeing a lot of that like People charging 125, 150% of retail just because it's rare. But like, it's already expensive because it's rare. You know? right. Well, and then it just further drives up the price on it. And you're just like, yeah. this, is, I, yeah. this is so ridiculous. Um, yeah. Anyways, go, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, we're we're all just going to commiserate about like, man, it's hard to find those hard to find records. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 I, well, I had a self-professed flipper on the other day, William the Flipper. Shout out, and he and he kind of, I, I kind of agree with you. There's in-demand records, and then there's rare records, right? Like yeah. he was talking about doing the retail arbitrage thing, and he can get a whole bunch of Taylor Swift, and he can sell those pretty easy, not for high prices, but they're in demand. Versus like what you guys are talking about the rare records, somebody will buy them and speculate on them. And then we were talking even backstage before you guys showed up about Nirvana, uh, never mind first press, and just how like that has continued in the last two years. It's doubled in price. I bought one for I'm just going to own it six hundred dollars. Now it's twelve or more, right? You know what I mean? So it's yeah, it's it's the most I've ever spent on a record. To be honest with you. Uh, my wife, I actually, I'll edit that out so my wife doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so we're rounding third, guys. Uh, last question before we hit the lightning round is, uh, just curious what your thoughts on what the vinyl community means. What does it mean to you? We'll start with Matt. Man, it's it's tough because I feel like I've kind of gotten out of the vinyl community. Uh, you know, Sam and I still do post videos occasionally, uh, rarely if you want to get in the nitty gritty about it. But So I do feel like, you know, I'll come across channels. I remember when we hit a thousand subscribers, that was like a big deal. Yeah. And now it's like, I'm seeing all kinds of people that have those numbers and it's like people I've never seen before. No idea who they are. They've never commented on my channel. You know, it's like, that's kind of the norm now almost. Uh, and when back in the day, it was like people you were talking to regularly, it was like 150, 200 subscribers. You know, the, the big channels were like, they've got 800 subscribers. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, so that's kind of changed a little bit. Um, I'm not in the know. I, I'm not a big watcher of a lot of channels. That you're, you're better for it, Matt. Stay out of the drama. <laughs> Trust me. As uh, Final Community Podcast CEO, I hear everything. It's yeah. <laughs> but it's like tonight before I came here, I was texting with Bo a little bit. Like we still keep in touch. Um, Mark Ditch at Glasswork at Aftermath. We still text a couple times a year. Um, you know, there's there's guys I still stay in touch with or I'm friends with on Facebook that don't make videos anymore or, or rarely do like we do, um, which that's awesome. Like we have lifetime lasting friendships that came out of this. Um, if Sam and I never make another video again, we'll still hang out. We'll still talk to Dylan. I'll still talk to you. We'll still see you at record shows. I'll still talk to Bo and Mark and those guys. Like that's something you you can't get in a local community if you don't have a big record scene. Um, I, I luckily now have friends like in-person friends that collect records but for a long time it was just my online friends and sam um and i think that's a really cool thing and i hope that's still happening um you I know I, yeah which is awesome that's that's what it should be mostly about is is literally a community you know it's going to be called the vinyl community there needs to be a communal aspect to it and a friendly aspect to it yeah you can be competitive and and kind of rib each other and you know kind of throw those sarcastic jabs or whatever but it still needs to be about community um and I, I hope it is. And I know Dylan, like you've far surpassed uh, what what anybody else has ever done, uh, reaching a hundred thousand subscribers. Um, and so I'm sure you get the. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad, listen, I'm glad it's not a belt buckle. You'd have to stand up every time and show us like a belt buckle. I, I was gonna say, does it does it attach to like a dookie rope that you just like? Oh, I put it on every once in a while. <laughs> hey, I, I've, I've committed to anytime you say hundred thousand subscribers to just show. Yeah, you just gotta pull it out. Yeah, just beat on, that sir. bit to to death. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got to pull on it. So Dylan, what would you say? Same question. Like, what does vinyl community mean to you when you hear the term? Um, <laughs> be honest. Okay, I don't like. I, I I get like queasy when I hear it. I hate it. Um, but it's because 
Like, so when I first started, I was like, I think I might've had like a couple hundred subscribers. Like Matt was saying, I remember Matt over a thousand. And I was telling my wife, like, my friend Matt is famous. You know, <laughs> I could not believe that he had a hundred or had a thousand subscribers, whatever. But anyways, but I, I maybe had a couple hundred subscribers, felt like my channel was going pretty well and everything. And I started talking about like that I was doing pop-ups and everything. And this one guy, he was, you know, there's maybe like 20 people in it at that point, you know, and this one guy who was in it, he was one of the old school guys. He um, commented on one of my videos and he's like, we don't need any more dealers in the vinyl community. Can you consider yourself kicked out? We don't need, like, we don't need people in here trying to sell us stuff. This is about community, not about money. And like, it's just the ugly comment. So, but he said, consider yourself kicked out. And I remember reading it and I stood up and I paced around the room like, I guess I gotta quit. I mean, you know, I guess I was having such a great time and he kicked me out. And then, like, I told my wife about it, and she's like, "Are you serious? This is high school. Just keep doing it. You're not actually kicked out. He doesn't own YouTube." And I was like, "I guess that's true." So I think I made a video like, "Hey, I'm kicked out of the bottom community, but if you want to follow me, I will." You know, <laughs> stupid. I listed those videos, but anyway, so. Um, so it's ever since then, like people talk about the vinyl community, it's so serious, like, oh, and I just feel like, um, back then the connotation was this country club snobby type of BS. I don't want to be part of, but if you're talking about actual community with what we do with our YouTube channels of what, like the people that are, you know, they're in it for the right reasons and they're cool. Um, I love it. I mean, it's brought me so much. Just like the actual, you know, so many people that watch videos, they have no idea what the VC is. It's like, right. you know, but um, the VC has given itself a kind of a bad name. But but as far as like what it, the ad actually is, like for me, it's opened up so many doors for me, like um, different people that I've met. I mean, some of the records that I've been able to get just trading with people, um, hooking people up, then hooking me up, all that stuff. Like, um I, it has meant a lot to me. And then like people also reach out just about different personal aspects of my life that they identify with. And, you know, so it means a lot. And then also like, since our store is like right off a really major highway during the summertime when everybody's on vacation, people will come like out of like out of the woodwork and just like, Hey, I'm going to the beach, but I thought I'd stop in, you know? And, uh, did I meet you at the shop? Did you come by? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. We were going to Hilton head and, okay. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was like, yeah, I know Matt, I'm from St. Louis. I know Matt, and he's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember that. So, anyway, so that's been really cool to like be able to be face to face with some people. You know, when you think about um, how many people are watching your channel, like I remember when I hit 100 subscribers and I pictured 100 people in a room watching my channel. I was like, this is amazing. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> See, like now, you know. I don't know. I know it's uh, and it's funny, but but hundred thousand subscribers. I don't know how many are like really watching and active on my channel, but it's it's still cool to think that you know that what anything that I've done means anything to anybody. So uh, it, that's what it means to me, I guess. Great. Sam, bring us home. What does vinyl community mean to you? Man, I'll, I'll tie in on that and just say it it is shocking to me that anyone ever cared about any of these conversations. Like it was almost incidental that the cam was camera was in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, until Matt would be like, Oh darn, the battery's gonna die. I mean, dude, one second, <laughs> one second. But um, but in in all honesty, like it it was freaking amazing. I remember in 2019, uh, I was in Huntsville, Alabama. I had 
30 minutes at a record store and some teenager came up to me and was like, are you the psych professor? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Awesome, man. Like, what are you buying today? Is this your regular shop? Are you from Huntsville? Like that connection. I was so freaking pleased when I saw a bunch of uh, like early twenties kids who were, um, who were getting together because they met in the VC and went to like, did a, I think they did a dig in St. Louis. I don't know if St. Louis is just somehow like a nexus of all records in this country, just flowing through uh, the Midwest there on the Mississippi. But if it's going to, it was the musical highway that, 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 moved music around this country. So it might as well be the thing people come and get together around, but seriously, that's it, man. It's the relationships. Um, I don't care if any, like, it's awesome when people say they've seen my videos and like occasionally come up to me and stuff, but more than anything else, I like seeing people who are younger than me, older than me in a totally different place than I am in life in a totally different place than I am geographically. And they're like, yeah, but I'm friends with so-and-so. Like mm-hmm. I met them through the VC and now we hang out. That's yeah. amazing to me. That's awesome. I love that aspect of what it is. That's beautiful. And I say that because that's kind of the spirit of why I wanted to get you guys together in this conversation at fellowship. It's, it's apparent you guys really get along. You really vibe well. Chemistry is very important. Um, but enough of that lightning round. We're almost home. You guys can almost turn off the cameras. This is the fun part. It's usually as time permitting. We've got a few minutes. We can knock this one out, but uh, you know, since our friend, Mr. Smith, is from North Carolina, the first one, I'll just throw at him, and we'll just go around the horn to quick answers. Dylan, Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Oh, my God. Uh, Hulk Hogan. It's a close one. Hulk Hogan. I would say, yeah. I mean, he's a musician, so. Oh, I don't know if Ric Flair is, but he played bass. He did that's play bass band. in Florida. That's right. Well, I, just, I, I just like him heaven. a little bit more. Um, gosh, anyways, keep going. All right, Hulk, sir. We got Sam. Uh, I, I honestly, I know nothing about wrestling. All right, Matt, we're just going to, yeah, no. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling as a kid, so oh I'm going to go Hulk Hogan as Mr. Nanny. Yeah, baby. Great tie-in. I like <laughs> Must we engage in name calling? Don't forget, freaking David Johansson was in that movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's a, that's a bad guy. That's, that's a pull, man. That's a deep Right, pull. baby. All right, Matt, we'll go back around the horn. Do you store your records inside or behind the jacket and why? I've recently switched to behind the jacket. Uh, I was doing it with my expensive records. I'm just doing it with all of them now because I – who knows why? Because I just do it. <laughs> you're a man Sam, of impeccable taste. Sam, you do the same? Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's a pricey record, it's it's going in back. If it, I mean, if it's a new issue of – I'm just going to put it in the jacket. What the heck? Whatever. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, if it's if it's something special to me, it's going in the back. And Dylan, I think I know the I'm answer. I'm a back man. I'm a back, back man. man. I like the access. Okay, I like the access, and I don't feel like I don't have to explain myself. Like Matt says, no, it feels, don't. Whatever feels right, do it. You can put it in the front if you want. All right, almost almost last one. Uh, Dylan, we'll go back and start around the horn with you. Has the quality of boots slash unofficial records improved, in your opinion? Well, depends on if you're asking about like the counterfeit things or you talk about live bootlegs. No, like just like for example, like the Godsmack record that just came out. It's a unofficial, comes from like Italy or something, right. something like that. 
well, they've been doing some crazy things in Italy. In Italy, the copyright laws are a little bit different than it is in the United States. So they're able to get away with a lot of crazy things. And they've started really cranking out some pretty good quality stuff. There's some pretty good bootlegs from the late 80s and 90s and psychedelic stuff. Uh, they weren't really doing like a lot of bootlegs of popular music back then. It was just like collectors, special collectors, records like, you know, rare psych stuff. Um, and funk and soul and stuff that were bootlegs, but now they're doing like stuff that should be online that has a big demand. So all the copyright laws and stuff, uh, they're kind of able to circumvent that stuff in Italy, but they've definitely cranked up the quality. I think bootlegs are are looking pretty good, but I still can tell. You know, you, there yeah. still has a certain texture to the cover. You just can kind of tell. But Pixelation, but- yeah. Sam, what would you say? Uh, at least with Grateful Dead stuff, I have not seen a lot of good bootlegs lately, and I like the official stuff anyway. So. What the heck? Why not? Why not just get the good stuff really well mastered? They do a great job. It all sounds the same, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. I believe that if you listen to the guitar solo from five seven seventy seven compared to the five nine over in Buffalo, you'll mm-hmm. see that there are some real different dynamics that Jerry goes to in the E string. So, frankly, your theory is poppycock. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I got I to gotta get your answer before these guys tear each other apart. Matt, what do you think about unoffic- unofficials? Yeah, today? I think, uh, kind of like what Dylan said, I think some of the more, uh, you know, less than official things have gotten a lot better. Um, and they kind of even get actual distribution. I know sometimes I'll order stuff through our distributor and it comes in with a Made in Italy tag. And it's like, I don't know if this is 100% legit, but... Uh, packaging wise, it seems pretty, pretty nice. Sound quality is usually pretty good on them. And then like there's stuff, um, like on the Akarma label, uh, again, a label that uh, questionable if it's above board or not, but they put out some killer stuff, stuff that you're going to have to pay way up for, for an original copy. And you can get a decent copy that sounds pretty darn good. Um, especially if you're not listening on a, you know, heavy duty sound system, my ears can't tell the difference a lot of times. So, uh, I, I, I've kind of got mixed feelings on it. Like I wish the artist was getting some kickback, but if it gets the music out there, it's a good thing. If you like a record, you like a record. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. Simple enough. Simple enough. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Well, actually I got one more and this one's only for Dylan. This is a selfish question. Is vinyl vinyl biography dead? Because that's talk about, is it dead? Because that was honestly, and I've said this before, it was one of my, I really enjoyed the because that's why I started Vinyl Community Podcast. There wasn't a lot of podcasts. Vinyl Biography yeah. was one I listened to, so it's it's dead. No life support. It's it's it's. No, I wouldn't say that. So like, I just hate the name. Um, also, uh, it sucks. But I so I was talking to my wife about it, and when I started it, I had 750 subscribers on YouTube, and I was like, I got enough to start a podcast. Let's do it. And so I started doing it, and it just kind of. It went okay for a while. I mean, I always thought they kind of sucked, but, um, and I want to get it going again. But, you know, with podcasts, it takes so much preparation. And if you just throw it together, unless you got really good interviews of, you know, people that you're interviewing that will really carry the conversation, who can really have a great conversation like me and these scholars are doing this one. Exactly. There is zero preparation involved in this one, guys. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, people can tell, and they're like, you're wasting my time. I'm not listening to it. They might not think that, but that's the case. So, anyways, all I'm saying is that if I get into the position to where I can 
find the time to do it. I would love to do it again. And here and there, like I'm about to interview somebody in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a great interview. And I will put that on my vinyl biography podcast, but it's also just going to be on the YouTube channel. So anyways, it's not dead, dead, but it's like, um, it's in a retirement home looking out the window, uh, yeah. waiting for the tapioca. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see who's, who's to say I, if I tried it now, it may, you know, it might work out since I got a hundred thousand. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, if you need some production assistance, <laughs> dude, my videos, I just turn on my phone and record them. And that's, that's, that's all I, that's all I have time and money for, you know? Well, with your mug, I mean, who could, who could, who could turn down a, a, a noble records video? Right. That's right. True story. Well, boys, I, I've had a lot of fun. I hope you have too. Oh man. Uh, it's something. And again, I, I couldn't have, I, shout out to Matt. Matt was, Matt was the communication, uh, uh, zealot getting this put together. So I want I want to give him a shout out because obviously he is the returning champion. He is the, the only panelist who's been on vinyl community podcast, not one, but now two times. So, also the one who's been asked two times, okay? Touche, <laughs> touche. So I want to thank my guest, uh, Matt Sands, owner of Gold Pan Records, Hillsboro, Illinois. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, man. You know, and I'm changing my answer to Ric Flair so you can drop in a woo right here. Oh, I don't have the drop. It's not It's not the live stream. <laughs> I don't have a drop. I need, I need to get on that one. And his partner in crime. They're biannual videos at this point. Uh, Sam, the psych professor, glad to talk to you, my friend. And then Mr. Mr. 100K himself, one more time for the the fans in the back. (laughs) Dylan Smith, Noble Records, Matthews, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. We cover it all. We cover it all. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Vinyl Community Podcasts. And on Twitter at VC Pods. See you next time on the Vinyl Community Podcasts.